Headliner Radio, the creative voice. All right, Kelly Lee Owens, welcome, welcome, welcome to Headliner Radio. Ah, oh, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, good. How's life for you today? Yeah, good. I said I've had uh, a couple of coffees, some raring to go. Yeah. <laughs> in london and you had plans to go to wales i understand but um forces out of our control prevented that happening it sounds like yeah absolutely yeah i was just gonna nip up to sort of see my family and check in with the old grandparents and uh help out a bit and also just be you know um connected to nature again and mm. feel very blessed that i can go home and just like there's like forests you know next to my mum's house and it's a place I can sort of um, disconnect, just kind of like reconnect to to myself. But um, alas, yes, everything is quite unpredictable these days. So I uh, have to wait this time. Yeah, in other circumstances, are you sort of between Wales and London a fair bit? It sounds like, you know, spending time in nature is very important. Yeah, yeah, I think more than most people, I kind of make the effort to really go back home. And I do think that is because I am very close, like I say, especially to my grandparents. And it kind of sounds morbid in a sense, but like for me, time is always of the essence with my elders in, in my life. And especially with my Nana passing last year, I really make the effort to to spend time with them and create memories with them and you know um and yes also just to enjoy nature and and, and have the kind of reset that I think is necessary um to in order just to process I think you need open spaces like just looking at a shoreline or a skyline in an open sense and have your eyesight kind of uninterrupted allows me personally anyway to to process things and I always have like a little notepad that I take with me and I write down thoughts often and um I think that is a big part of my like uh, general well-being in being able to be in mm. those places yeah I mean do you is that something you even struggle with when you're living in London obviously there's parks but not like great Welsh expanses of countries <laughs> Yeah, it is. It struggle. You do struggle to find those, like you say, like open spaces where your your eyesight is uninterrupted. But I think Hampstead Heath has been a, a, a staple in my eleven years of of being here. I can I kind of feel like I can escape there, you know, and hide away. And um, mm. also, you know, living um, more east now, there's the sort of like Epping Forest and and other things like that. But I do have to get out of here quite often. So I think uh, with the lockdown and stuff previously, it was kind of difficult but um at the same time the last few years has been about me going into my inner world and kind of finding solace there because I had no other choice but to to do that so I'm also kind of a bit more practiced and versed in um being okay with just being in one room or one house and one part of town anyway <laughs> mm. yeah amazing we'll definitely revisit Wales in the interview but um yeah I just had to say one exciting time to be 
speaking with you so second album's out which in itself is amazing but then you're on the cover of enemy you've done a <laughs> advert for corona as in the beer not the other thing and um and michael sheen's in your new video which is pff, that's just there's no words for that that's amazing when you um, say all those things in a row it does actually sound pretty good like yeah <laughs> um yeah I feel I feel very blessed it feels like a a culmination of all the kind of hard work and slog and all that stuff kind of coming together you know um because you never know how things are going to be received but um yeah the fact that enemy for me my sort of 16 17 year old self was just thrilled to to be recognized in that sense and them giving me like a five-star review as well um just cemented something for me because I would flick through the pages I'd buy the magazine and I just think oh one day I'm just I'm gonna be in this like if I was just was noticed if they noticed me if I was in it if they recognized something I've done it would be wonderful so never dreamed that like the cover would would be something that would come about and you know I think it's something everyone recognizes so my mom you know she knows who enemy is and <laughs> And what they yeah. were about and like even my granddad you know so <laughs> it's a big moment in the owens household yeah my parents would still call it new musical express yes. i'm like what's that oh yeah enemy. But, um, <laughs> but what a crazy sign of the times because for me enemy i'd think of bands like i don't know the cribs and the libertines or whatever so that's just amazing for an artist like you who's predominantly electronic that's pretty mind-blowing isn't it I think it is. Um, but it, it kind of reminded me, so like they put like rave new world as the kind of header. And then it reminded me of like, there was a time, was it like the, like the klaxons and stuff like that, where there's like this kind of rave, like new rave thing. Right. So I guess yeah. it just moves and fluctuates and um, it depends on the time, but they are, it's a sign of the times that they're just kind of with what's happening now. And it's great that they have more women on the cover, which I'm sure is something that they can acknowledge that hasn't happened in the past. And, mm. um, especially for a solo female, it is quite empowering. And, you know, you just think about the, the women, especially that are going to see that and kind of feel like, yeah, I can, I can do that. You know, um, uh, it's, 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 it's strengthening in, uh, in many ways. And yeah, uh, but I still feel on it. It's still something that even if it's digital, it's, it's, it's a real moment in time that I can. Uh, mm. Rave New World. That's a nice little dystopian reference there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. In these um, wild times that we're in, I mean, it all kind of uh, is connected, hey? Yeah. So can you talk us through how the Michael Sheen thing happened? I, so obviously he's a Welshman. <laughs> was that was that a key part of landing him that in the video? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it started in just, he followed me on Twitter, you know, this, this beautiful and terrifying digital world. Um he followed me on Twitter and then I, I was like, oh, cool. And then I kind of forgot to follow him back. I think I was just in a studio or something. And then about a month later, I was like, oh, I should really follow Michael Sheen back, you know, and say hi. And so I did that. And so we started talking and uh, connecting and I sent him the album in advance. And then he mm. sort of said, oh, I love it, Kelly. Like, you know, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. <laughs> And me being this kind of Welsh, kind of bold, if you don't ask, you don't get kind of person, I just said, well, there is something you could maybe do. Um, you know, John was supposed to be in the video, but because of the circumstances, he can't fly over from LA. So um, if you fancy being a kind of like John Cale-esque character, because we didn't know what the video would be then, um, you know, I'd be honored to have you in it and then I kind of after I sent it I was just kind of panicking thinking oh that's probably too bold it's probably too much you know so I kind of said 
quite quickly after, oh, sorry if that's like a bit cheeky, you know, um, just thought I'd ask and no worries. And he was like, oh, you don't get anywhere without being cheeky. And I was like, yes, this is my guy. Like <laughs> we really connect, you know? And, um, mm. he said, yeah, if I have the time, I would love to. Cause I think what I didn't realize is like, I, I forget the people like that are also fans of music and like, he's a fan of mine and I'm a fan of his and like, that's cool. We can be on a level, you know? Um, mm. so yeah, so he didn't even read the script or anything. He just was like, I trust you. And I thought, Oh God, there's a bit, bit of pressure there. But, um, he turned up and he sort of didn't live too far away from where we were filming. We made it easy for him. And he just graciously did this wonderful job and was absolutely hilarious. And I think it just turned out so great. And so, yeah, it was this Welsh Trinity as he, as he called it himself, me, him and John. It was wonderful. I think Michael Sheen followed me on Twitter and I've got to follow him back. Might be the funniest sentence I've heard in recent (laughs) times. Well, what do you mean you forgot to follow Michael Sheen back on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, I must have been doing something. I must have been making the album. Something was going on. Something big was happening because, uh, you know, normally you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll just follow you straight back. You know, you're cool. Like, mm. Let's have a chat. But, um, yeah, it's a bit busy at the time. So yeah, um, he was patient. <laughs> I guess there's also the, you, you might think, oh, is this just a bot or something following me on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit surreal. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, is this the real, can the real Michael Sheen please stand up, you know? Mm. So you were fully hoping John Cale would be able to come and do the video as well? Yeah, I had the vision of him in the video, um, just like, just, and and also just because, you know, to have him involved in it in the first place and, you know, in a sense of just like the audio was just wonderful. But I thought, God, when I'm, when I'm never going to be able to get John Cale in, in my video again. So, you know, I might as well try and make this happen and we had the idea of kind of being this remote um place in wales and like a a cabin or a a cottage or something and kind of having this it was always going to be surreal because the the the, the music is surreal um but have it be connected to wales and kind of like an ode to wales and honoring that somehow and the magic of it and the um but but yeah he obviously couldn't come over so um i'm kind of like i think it actually worked out better only because now I have Michael Sheen and John, so I feel I feel very lucky, you know. Yeah, I mean, also it's kind of a musical departure in some senses, I suppose. I guess people know you best for that combination of thumping techno with your kind of dreamy ethereal vocals over the top. How would you describe this song to people, especially that collab as well? Yeah, um, well, I think this is another aspect of myself, and I did call it like a psychedelic lullaby um because let's just say that the track you know used to be called mushroom um (laughs) that was its working working title um you know and i am interested in exploring the psyche in in different ways and um it was something that like i i tested out my friend before john got involved in it and it was just the 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 audio the instrumental and my friend hadn't slept very well for a few a few days she just couldn't sleep and she came to my house and she was staying over and i said oh can i play you something and um i played her the instrumental of corner of my sky and she slept for 14 hours (laughs) and i was like okay for me it was a good sign i was like cool this is really like it, it holds space for people. I feel that was the energy I kind of got from the instrumental. And so eventually asked John to speak on it or sing on it. And it was that connection to Wales. Cause it very much was like 
nature. I could see like images in my head when I listened to it and it was off the land. It was in Wales and it was like the story of Wales needed to be told. That was the kind of messaging I had. Um, and who better to tell it than in, in a sense in John Cale. And, and when I learned that he hadn't spoken or sung in Welsh on a record in 20 years, mm. it felt even more, I don't know, like, yeah, special and unique. So, a mad little synchronicity there. Do you know Max Richter, the composer? Yeah. At all. I'm going to see the documentary tonight about his sleep concert where he just performed for eight hours to people who were just in bed. So it just weirded me out that you just told me a story where you played your friend a song and then they had a massive long sleep. So <laughs> Yeah. But that's, <laughs> that's the power of music, you know, it holds yeah. space for you. It 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 allows you in moments, depending on what it is, to relax into yourself, to be held, to be nourished. And so that's why I was saying like that is an aspect of what I'm interested in 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 my life. And it comes it came through in this record. Um yeah. Mm, so did you work with someone to come up the with the story of the video? Which is so brilliant. I love the kind of combo of the mundane and then there's a sort of mystical element yeah. as well. And poor Michael just wants his goddamn toast and he <laughs> doesn't get it. It's um so I worked with Casper Hagstrom again, who has done two of my previous videos, so on and throwing lines, and he's amazing. Like he actually won a video UK video music award for for throwing lines, and he, you know, his sense of humor is so dark and twisted and 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 weird, and I, I really connect to that, and I love that. And the story for this video changed two days before we were about to shoot it, which gave me like palpitations and like I was just coming from another shoot, and everything was just so up in the air. And um, he said, do you mind if I just go away and think about this and come back to you with something? And then like, I just want you to like, listen and hear it out. And so he called me a few days before and started telling me about the toast, the bread idea. And I, <laughs> I just started laughing a lot when he was telling me the the idea, the premise. And, and I was then connecting it myself to like all of these mystical elements of like the Welsh culture and um, just life in general and how strange 2020 had been. And it connected to so many things for me. So he came up with the idea and I came up with the intentions or connected the ideas to to, to the intentions behind it. And um, so it's collaborative in that way. But he came up with that initial idea, which is just yeah. so hilarious and genius, you know. Mm, I mean, and it just shows how brilliant Michael is as an actor. That it's just him and a toaster, but it's really quite affecting his. <laughs> yeah, like I, how he did that with so little, you know, prop and and everything else. It just exactly it just shows how absolutely brilliant he is. And you know, I had seen some clips from stage that he'd done with David Tennant. Um, mm. One of them being with Judy yeah. Dench, which is absolutely hilarious, where she just pops up in the middle and uh, tells them both off, you know, but him being in his house and then still being able to be absolutely hilarious, just sitting in front of a camera like that. I think it was a similar energy where it was all understated, but um, the humor and the, the kind of, um, bizarreness of it all kind of came <laughs> through quite well and especially with the uh the delivery guy moment that was uh yeah that was a great moment i think in the video yeah was this very much was it kind of a lockdown themed video because as soon as i saw the delivery man i was like yeah i've been seeing a lot of those <laughs> And in, in, in a way, Obviously you wouldn't invite them into your house, but um. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And um, 
in a way it was, but also just more about like the mundanity of life in general. I mean, you can see at the beginning of the video, Michael's just like, he's half asleep. He's just like, just mindlessly like making toes, going to the fridge, doing the usual thing. And I think we're so caught up in that, like, um, everything is tangible. Everything is quantifiable. It's like the left brain thing, like the, what some people call it, the divine masculine energy, Mm. which is fed into the patriarchal systems that we're in. And everything is just, if it's not in front of us, it doesn't exist. It cannot be real. And that just bores me. Like that is where the imbalance is for me personally in this, in this world. And how we've cast aside all of the magic and there's magic in the everyday. And I really do feel that. And coming from Wales, you know, we're told of this magic and we're told stories and, um, why can't a, a, a toaster be a portal to somewhere else or have that represent magic in, in some senses. And then me being involved in the video is like as kind of a mythological figure, you know, um, I wasn't on the beach, for example, in that scene, like I could have really out overperformed the lyrics, but I was almost like quite robotic because I, I didn't even know if I existed somehow. Um, and it's interesting that like the only time that Michael gets to eat the bread or the toast is when I'm with him, when mm. he's actually connected to this thing, when he's actually somehow connected with the, the fullness of, 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 of the mystery. And, um, yeah, there's so so many layers, and I think that's a sign of a good video. And also, it can be open ended, you know. Yeah, no, I love what you were saying. There. There's a book I really want to read called "After the Ecstasy: The Laundry" by Jack Cornfield, which I think, I guess, the title suggests it's about you can have all these amazing highs, spiritual highs, romantic highs, whatever in life, but then eventually you've got to do the laundry. So I think the video portrays that. So <laughs> yeah. to even embrace things like just making toast, it can't all be. I guess in your example, headline shows or whatever, these huge highs, but mm. eventually you have to find those moments with yourself, don't you? And- Absolutely. And, and and you can, and it's all there for the taking. This is the thing. And there's beauty and magic in ritual. And the ritual can just be making your coffee in the morning. I mean, it certainly is for me, you know. Um, and yeah, like the mundanity is, is, the, is, is kind of in an essence, like the beauty of like the human experience like I'm here in a, in a physical body like I'm not I'm not just and I believe in a soul and I believe in spirit in some sense and I'm spiritual but um I am here having a human experience also so um yeah I, I do find the magic in in the groundedness also yeah in life absolutely that scene where you appear on the beach in the red dress that's so striking I was racking my brain is that like a reference from a film or something I swear I've seen that somewhere yeah. before um, it wasn't a conscious one, no. Um, it was more just like I knew in this video for me personally, I was determined to wear red and that is related to Wales and it's kind of like adopted as our na- national colour, like, you know, with rugby players and the, and the, the Welsh football teams and, and it's related to like the dragon energy on, on, on our flag and, um, mm. of course, red can represent like blood, um, which is life, but also war and... And, and, and love too um and so again it's the intention behind it in that color and I was very fortunate to wear like a beautiful it's like a vintage Balenciaga dress made in the 1950s um and it just happened to perfectly fit me and it all fell into place but yeah I wanted that to be a striking moment and like I say relate to the goddess the, the more of the mythology of um the storytelling in 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 wales and um 
yeah, for it to be a moment. And I've never been in, in one of my videos, which I've kind of always wanted to be, but it just hasn't happened in that way. And so it's kind of a, a good first time to be in one of my videos. And also, you know, my acting debut alongside Michael Sheen. I've never been so nervous to eat a piece of toast in my life, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he said, oh, you, you, you put on a lot of butter there, didn't you? <laughs> like, oh, no. I didn't get to see that bit, but in the actual, like, it was like a whole minute and a half that I was spreading butter, jam, eating toast with Michael Sheen. And um, I was just so nervous that, like, I've never eaten so much butter in my life, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, yeah what, a, what a nice memory. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I guess you were like, I've got to get this butter perfect for this scene, and you probably – I overdid it slightly. Um, I did, yeah. I've just joined the dots in my head. It's it's reminding me of the film The Piano. Have you seen The Piano? I haven't actually, no. There's a scene where Holly Hunter, she's the lead in the mm. film. She's like on the beach and I think she actually collapses, but she's wearing this really big dress and it's really like stormy and Ooh. I think that's what it's reminding me of. I don't know yeah. if the, um, the director had that in mind at all. Who knows? Maybe because yeah. that's is very clever. He doesn't always tell me these things, but you know, it's all working in his head somehow. And yeah, mm. that guy's amazing. And also just lovely and humble and is always open to collaborating with me because I, because it's my art ultimately that's being like portrayed somehow. I have to have control with, within it. And then also, of course, I trust him to, to do his thing. So it's that nice amount of tension and balance in, in, in collaboration so in terms of just in case anyone isn't that familiar with you so i mean, just going from the start like, i guess people wouldn't naturally associate a girl from wales ending up making these kind of berlin east london sounding analog beats is, is there anything from your childhood that you can connect the two things at all yeah i mean you know wales is um it's known as the land of song because we just highly value like expression through voice whether that's mm. singing singing in choirs um folk music is is it is the, the biggest like long-standing tradition as well as male voice choirs and folk music simply means like music of the people folk literal folk you know coming mm. together to sing together and i think that's been yeah our way of expressing ourselves same through poetry and reciting poetry we have this thing called the Eisteddfod, which happens every year, um, which is a celebration of Welsh culture, song, um, performance, and it really keeps alive um, our culture because we've had a lot of oppression um, from the English state um, over many years, and our language has been threatened so many times. Like we weren't allowed to sing or speak in our own language, um, which is just devastating ultimately. And is really fracturous. And um, also in schools, you know, in the curriculum, Welsh history is not taught. So kind of going off tangent here, but I think like that's devastating to me. And if you don't know where you come from, you can't really know who you are. I think your identity can become confused and um, you have to start at the beginning. So I'm doing my own research now into Welsh history Welsh musical history too um but you know I was brought up singing in a choir it's just kind of standard it's like this almost like a military service <laughs> mm. everyone's yeah. you know kind of forced into one whether you can sing or not and you kind of everyone then, then very quickly you can kind of tell who's gonna continue doing that and not or who's interested and who isn't but um 
my mm. first performance was um, in front of about like a thousand people actually um, as part of a choir and I always love singing and melody you know and we're known as like kind of quite melancholic people which I'm quite proud of you know I'm um, unafraid to lean into those places emotionally and so melody and um, voice have always been that they were my beginning points and my first instrument is my voice so it's it makes total sense to me and I also was an indie kid I went to Manchester and helped out bands like Falls, Maccabees, Friendly Fires and found ways to be around people who made music um so it was only later that I discovered dance music and electronic production and I merged the two ultimately I think yeah I was going to ask about the time in Manchester I wasn't sure if you if there was much going on musically. I mean, when you say you helped those foals and the Maccabees out, how do you mean? Oh, I used to do merch for them and stuff. I just like ask, like force myself and just be like, oh, can I come and do this for free? Because I just wanted to be, it was just so exciting to me. Like love the music and how did these people do it? Like what was their stories? And, And just being around people like that fully inspired me to kind of get closer to doing it myself somehow. Um. So, you know, all of these boys actually, like, they all text me the other day when I was on the cover. They're like, you know, Kelly, Kalo, like, we're so proud of you, you know, because they used to be on the cover when I was reading Enemy, for example, you know. Um, But I didn't, unfortunately, have much access to live bands in Wales. And this is what's devastating is, like, the scene there could be so much stronger, but um, the funding and stuff is just not there. And so, and the venues aren't there. So Manchester being, like, 45 minutes to an hour drive away meant that I just I started to head there and um there was a thriving scene it was like 2007 to 2009 and it was like just a full indie band kind of um moment really it was really exciting and full of energy and life and uh, good times because I was going to ask does it feel for a lot of musicians in Wales is that kind of exodus sadly necessary just due to the scene not being quite what it could be. Yeah, I think it is changing. Um, but yeah, there's been no value placed. Well, not no value placed. I think, look, like Wales is has not been funded correctly for a long, long time. That's with our connection to the English state again and Westminster. And like, there's loads of issues with that. Um, so there's not been the money there to provide these spaces for people, certainly not in the last 20 years or so. It used to be better. There used to be a couple of venues, you know, my parents growing up, my uncle used to be in a, a band. He was a singer and a guitarist and like toured from the age of 16 and stuff. Um, but yeah, sadly, um, those places have become less and less. And um, it worries me, you know, because it's about, again, it's about class as well and people not being able to afford to be creative. Like that is devastating to me. And so I am working with the Welsh government, the Arts Council there to look at ways of, of, of changing that and having conversations about that. And I would love to be an ambassador of some sorts in in um, finding funding and opportunities for people to be able to express themselves and create and have the same opportunities as people have in other parts of the UK, you know. Oh, that's amazing. Well, all the best with that. I'm sure that will Thank you. be a huge boost. Um, but in terms of Manchester, obviously you went, you were a nurse there, weren't you? So what was the main 
was music the main drive to move to Manchester or was it the getting the job as a, a nurse? Or? <laughs> well, I worked in a nursing home before I worked at the cancer hospital and I was only an auxiliary nurse, but I think first and foremost, it was the music. I just kept driving there and like not coming home for several days and sleeping on sofas and making new friends and going to all these shows. And then I thought, well, I'm working, you know, my practical mind. Okay, I'm working, doing a nursing thing, and I could probably do auxiliary nursing in Manchester. Why don't I just move there? And then I don't have to keep traveling back and forth for the show. So it kind of was led by the music. But my other practical side being like, but I have to make money, right? I'm not in a position where I'm funded by my parents or anything like that. It's like I have to sustain like myself. And so I just moved there and I sent off my CV to several different hospitals. And the one that came back was the cancer specialist one. And I was kind of a bit scared because I was scared of like the word cancer for some reason. I just was like mm-hmm. so afraid of it, which I think a lot of people are. And, but it was the biggest blessing in disguise working in that place because I just got to meet the most phenomenal people who were strong and inspiring. Like even though their lives were being potentially threatened, they just had so much hope and sunshine and like energy just that was awe inspiring. Um, but also it was the perspective that death gives you, which is how to live well and how to be true to yourself and your dreams and what you want and to not really compromise on that. And they gave me that perspective. That place gave me that perspective. You know, most 18 year olds don't get confronted with death so much um but i feel fortunate that i was in a way yeah because you probably more than most often talk about death and a lot of people are immediately like oh my god how morbid <laughs> but it sounds like from that experience you've realized the it's such a weird thing to say but the, almost the more positive side of death and I, I, i'm sure i read that some of the patients actually said listen you have to go for it with the music because i've I guess they're confronted with the briefness of life, right? So yeah, what a, yeah. that's incredible, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. It's like such a gift, you know? And it's, 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 isn't it mad that like we literally all will die, right? And even me saying that, some people are like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, like, you've ruined their day literally by saying that. that. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's like the truest thing we know. And mm. in a way, the most obvious thing, but like, is it a survival mechanism that we, we, we just deny this to ourselves? Is it the fear, which is, it's all valid, but my God, can we not speak about it more? And, you know, it's going to come in, it's in the collective right now anyway, with everything that's going on. And I think, for example, this pandemic, you can relate it to that because it's forced people to think about how they really want to live and what really matters to them. And I think that's the gift of death is that's what it does. Um, to die well is to have lived well, I um, think. It feels like a very East versus West thing. I, I feel, I think like in countries like India, they don't, I don't know if they call them funerals, but it's almost, there's like this air of celebration. Yeah. Whereas here everyone's dressed in black and it's so, depressing yeah. and horrible mm. so I, I think it's good that you're trying to get people talking about it more and rather than this constant daily denial of one of the biggest truths in our lives yes. is that really isn't it? absolutely and when my nana passed we you know I wore yellow I didn't I didn't wear black and we encouraged people 
to wear colours and um, we do feel as everyone does no matter what like someone's gone too soon you never want people that you love to, to to leave in that way but also if they do to celebrate the fact that you had that connection and that you got to experience them and that just fundamentally that we all get to exist the greatest prize is existence right and and, and yeah. look don't get me wrong like I can sound like a privileged you know beep right now as a white woman in the west talking about this right because my life is far easier than than a lot of people on this planet um but i think it's no surprise to me that you know mental health is such a huge issue because we've become so disconnected from our roots from nature from the fundamental things that like are good for us in 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 life and um, you know, it relates to stuff I've written on like wake up where it's like losing our minds for the short term gain and never pausing to take it in, always avoiding your sense of dread and this kind of like push pull with, with the digital age and the rise in, in mental health problems since the digital revolution, if you want to call it. And yeah, so something's going on, something's not working for us in the West and we, we feel it and we know it and it's time we would just kind of explored these things properly. super triggered right now don't worry i'm gonna steer it back to the music but um <laughs> so imagine so you're very much an indie person and then so you, what, what was the head down to london what was the drive for that well because i had 12 weeks paid leave um because of the nature of the job um i used that time to help out at festivals help out um bands on tour um i I started doing I, with, with friendly fires, they were signed to Excel. So I met one of the guys from Excel and I just said, Oh, can I come and intern? Can I come and help out? So I'd literally get like the mega bus down to, to, to London, like five in the morning and like crash on my friend's couch for a few weeks at a time and help out at Excel. And the XX were there at the time and they were finishing their album. And I finished on the day that they finished the first record and, felt like exciting times and it was giving me a glimpse of you know like London and a window into something else that really excited me and at the same time I was helping out at Pure Groove um, in Farringdon and they just they ended offering me a, ended up offering me a job in and it was a recession it was like 2009 mm-hmm. and I got offered a salary in a record store slash cafe and the opportunity to move to London. So I was like, wow. I'm going to take this, you know. And um, what's interesting, I just remembered this. Um, one of the patients was a psychic medium. 
okay. <laughs> this is just my like this is just normal for me it's like oh, this stuff oh, yeah. all the time <laughs> um and she's like oh kelly um and she started talking about something that like no one knew about and she said oh yeah um by this time next year, she's like, you know that this place is just a stepping stone for you. She's like, by this time next year, I see you moving down south. I see you on a stage. I see that. And I was like, okay, you know, pinch of salt, but all right, cool. Sounds great. And then, you know, she was accurate within that year, like around that time, um, I did get offered this. So I just grabbed it with both hands. I moved down and never really looked back, you know, so... So you were, were you fairly content living in Manchester, which is obviously such a cool city, but then you just got sort of pushed to London, really, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I was content in some senses, but I've been going there for a few years before I even moved there. So I did feel I was slightly outgrowing it. And then, like, I think I was just looking mm. for more and more excitement and, like, more and more adventures. And so London was kind of, you know, big enough to contain those adventures and also my ambitions because I always had ambitions to write my own music like my friend the other day Pierre was like with the enemy thing said I remember talking to you Kelly you were working on the door at some venue in Manchester and he asked me what I wanted to do and I said I want I'm going to move to London and I want to make my own music and he just said the other day I'd never forget you saying that and look at you now and then the same with Yanis from Foles and him asking me questions and me saying I want to do music and blah, blah. but I didn't play an instrument and I worked in a hospital and so to to everyone else it seems like so far away from everything but actually it's all connected mm. to me like doing auxiliary nursing and healthcare work is 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 helping people and music has helped me so many times and it saves lives and it's all part of the same thing somehow so um I knew I would find a way but it took me longer than some people but I'm, I'm i feel very blessed that it that it did actually yeah i mean you mentioned your spiritual side and because you ended up working in a record store with daniel avery and ghost culture and just to me that's such a insane coincidence you just happened to get a job with <laughs> i mean the three of you've ended up being three of the biggest names in british electronic music so that's just i mean how do you feel about that is that a coincidence or is something else going on there yeah, I, 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 I don't really believe in coincidences. And this is why I continue to trust in, in, in life. I mean, I'm not passive in any sense. Like I am one of the most determined people and I work very hard. But at the same time, I, th- I feel like there is some some guidance somewhere and things that you can't ever predict for yourself or understand fully and I think yeah that was definitely one of them like meeting James especially has been huge I mean Dan in the sense of you know offering me to do drone logic and then that giving me confidence to be like yeah my ideas are good we wrote keep walking in the same session that was the first track I have ever written Mm. um Dan saying yes to my ideas and then James just being the kind of like genius that he is in terms of like songwriting and also just you know being a whiz with logic like he's super interested in 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 knowing everything whereas like I want to know enough but I always want to be able to zoom out in a creative way and zoom back in into the nuances and so like we all work like when we work together like three of us my god I can't explain that feeling to you like the drone logic sessions mm. are some of the most magical times for me ever. Um, 
So it does feel fated somehow, yeah. Yeah, no, it honestly feels like life knew where you wanted to go and it gave you just these two people that would be so, and you offer so much to them back as well. And Yeah. Yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, I feel really grateful. Um, and so at this time, were you like semi-interested in electronic music and then meeting them fostered it even more? Or Yeah, where were you out of it at that time? Um. Yeah, I think I'd started listening to, well, I definitely listened to like The Knife and stuff. And I'd listened to Matthew Deer as well, which is kind of semi-crossover. And I'd worked at Rough Trade and, um, you know, there's a, there's a specific like dance counter there. So like they know their stuff. And we also had Schneider's Leiden come in and um, have all these kind of like modular synths and stuff. And so the physicality of it was making more sense to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an analog person. So I like, I love to feel and touch like, um, the, the instruments themselves and work with them in collaboration in that tangible way. Um, so my mind mm. was being opened and I'd definitely been to fabric quite a few times at that point and seen Dan, uh, DJ before he DJed under his own name. And mm. it was like opening up, but, really genuinely and I've said it a lot but being in those sessions with Dan and James with two friends with the energy flowing in completely the right direction with people saying yes to my ideas and seeing the sense and how they can be manipulated and tweaked in in the collaborative sense was like oh okay I get it this is what I'm gonna do and the sounds that I was getting into and attracted to were the sounds that you hear like on the first and it's all like a natural prog- first record and it's all a natural progression from from that point onwards yeah because then obviously you put out your debut album and then suddenly you're doing remixes for saint vincent and bjork and it <laughs> yeah. almost feels like a blur of success like does it feel that way to you that so much happens so quickly um i don't think i've stopped to fully reflect on it and i think that's true of a lot of artists right it's always that looking forward thing right but um there's only certain moments where I allow myself to really feel into that and one of them was definitely with the Bjork thing like my god that for me was like full circle and anyone that knows me knows just how much she's inspired me and the first record was, was was heavily inspired by Vespertine um with all of the production elements of micro beats like how she captured sound for two years while she was a new mother, you know, um, and she was going to call it Domestica. Um, and then she worked with Matt Moss to, to create this um, beautiful album, which I constantly still listen to. Um, and just her spirit more than anything as a, as a woman who's like fronting this solo project and, and, and inviting people into her world was something I was very interested in and, and like say super inspired by. So mm. when I got that email, <laughs> where you know Derek her manager was like you know Björk has asked us to reach out to Kelly you know it wasn't the label it was her that she'd listened to my stuff that she liked it that she'd used Anxi on a mix for Mix Mag I just felt it was that like stamp of approval like you're on the right path Kelly you know (laughs) um so I was really grateful for that yeah because to be brutally honest if someone said to me right women in techno go I'd be like Kelly Leones and uh, mm. so <laughs> I'm guessing it was really important for you to have these amazing role models like Bjork, even though they weren't necessarily doing the kind of Berlin techno, but mm. that's kind of irrelevant, the genre, it's more just the spirit and energy they're putting out. 
I suppose, isn't it? Absolutely. But I think like when you look back and you listen to her first two or three albums, like this hefty beats going on there, you know, she obviously collaborated with incredible people like Mark Bell and stuff, but it's always her. And this is the thing. And this is what I relate to is like, you can work with the same person or with different people. When it's your world, it will always sound like you because you're the driving force. You're the one that's, it's always in collaboration, but you're the executive producer. You're the one in terms of making the decisions on every single sound, you know? Um, and I felt that with her and it, it gets banging in some, in some parts. And this is where I came up with like the hybrid thing that I like to do, moving it from a song to something more banging and in, in hyper ballad, especially like that's what happens. And I just thought that yeah. was genius, you know, like you, a song has so many lives and, she just exerted that with like so many things um, she did. And that was just great. It's like, you just break all these rules of the things you're supposed to do and the person you're supposed to be. And that's the same thing. It's like, you know, I don't want to be put in a box. It's classic. Like no artist does. Cause you just this human kind of like expressing yourself, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, you can't be what you can't see. Absolutely. Um, so we mentioned Daniel and ghost culture, of course. Um, have to talk about John Hopkins. Was your first experience with him? Was it kind of supporting him at shows? Um, well, my label is based in Oslo, Norway, and right. uh, my label boss's brother works for like a tech <laughs> company or something, and they have a party once a year, and John was DJing. And then they asked me to be like the opener for him DJing. So it was a mm. <laughs> semi-corporate DJ evening, but they took us out for um, dinner before and they placed John next to me. <laughs> and yeah. Everyone was just sort of like watching in the side eyes and like, Oh, they're going to get along. Like, you know, and we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And it was just this, 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 this synergy of someone and I, I felt like I've known his music before, obviously. And, you know, when you hear something in someone, you feel like I'm going to get along with that person because the, the, the essence of the soul is in the sound for me. And with John, it couldn't be more true. It's like we, we, we meet on so many levels. Um, we're interested in the same things sonically and also personally. And so it just became this beautiful friendship that was so giving and so nourishing and so supportive and once he'd like fully listened to my stuff he he really loved the album the first one and so he just kept asking me to do more and more and support him at Brixton Academy and open for him at Printworks and Fabric that's the first time I played Fabric because of him um asking me to open and 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 yeah so the natural conclusion for us is that we would collaborate in some way and I'm so proud of luminous spaces like I think it's our world's like perfectly colliding I was going to say that song sometimes when people take an existing song and they just turn it into a song as in with lyrics it can feel a bit cheap but you guys really added so much value to what John had already done it was absolutely amazing thank you um but yeah I was just going to say in terms of John like I put him, there's a few artists like Radiohead and John where, I don't know, there's almost not words for it, but just like the audacity for one song to be this huge thumping techno song and then suddenly it's the most fragile, ethereal piano piece. 
next. I can't get my head around how he achieves that, and it's quite incredible. But then I know you mentioned you guys don't like being put in boxes, and I think that's so true of both of you. Like you can call it techno, but that's also quite limiting at the same time because what you both do is so uniquely yours mm. as well, right? Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just both interested in merging worlds, different worlds and different sounds. And um, we, we both of us don't go into the studio with preconceived ideas. So what you're hearing with both of us is um, completely in the moment, spontaneous, channeled, if I can call it that, without sounding too pretentious. I don't know. <laughs> Mm. Um, and so that's the thing, like, it's really interesting to understand his methods and ways of getting there. And also I think uh, what he values in, in me is like the simplicity of my ideas that can be so impactful. Um, and his way of doing it is like sound design, which is something that I aspire to. And like the amount of stems and layers he has is so mind blowing and one supports the other and it just keeps creating this picture. Um, but he still like I have has a spaciousness within tracks. And that's, what's really important because those are the places, the space is the place that you can really connect and process what you're experiencing. Um, so yeah. And also we're just both lovers of, uh, good food and Welsh cakes. So <laughs> <laughs> like, all you've, got, you've got him on the welsh cakes I, do, that's great. Oh, I send welsh cakes to his house yeah 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 <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> yeah is he based in london or? yep he is yeah i think yeah, he's still living in la for a bit but he's in london now yeah this this thing of channeling and obviously you've talked about life kind of guiding you that's so fascinating but you also say mention how hard you work of course um, yeah, how do those things sit together, the kind of traditional Western idea of pulling your sleeves up and working hard? Because I guess, I mean, say if you're an accountant, would that feel like hard work? Because it's something you probably wouldn't, I'm just assuming you wouldn't want to do that. Whereas no. with music, is that more what people would call inspired action, where it's hard work, but because you love it so passionately, it doesn't, I'm presuming it doesn't feel like that kind of really forced hard work, right? Mm, but I think... I think a lot of accountants love what they do and thank God because me and number, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really get that. If, 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 if it was you, if it was who's me. not naturally an accountant, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, you're right. And um, yeah, so most of the time, and especially when things are going, are really flowing, I feel the most connected and the most at peace when you've got those, you catch those waves, as I kind of call it, and you're riding that wave of pure bliss of like everything's in its right place, everything's working and flowing. And it's like, I just, I'm, I'm doing what I was born to do. This is my path. And I feel so grateful to like be here, but I still feel that even in the frustrating moments and trust me, there are a lot of those. And especially cause my meticulousness of like detail um, oriented, orientated production and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think all of us, um, have a path and, a, and, 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 and have passions. And I would just always encourage people to, to follow those. But that's why I say about the accountancy, like it could just be that, that, that that's what you love to do. And that's, that's, that's right. That's what you should be doing. Just following the thing that 
feels good. And, um, you know, I don't, cause otherwise you just sound like a pretentious, you know, person where it's like, you know, the only way of like living is to be a creative soul. And like, you know, maths is creative to some people and is beautiful to some people. So I'm just saying this cause like, I think it's all valid is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not having a go at accounting. There's a big place for I love my accountant and I could not do what I do without my accountant, so there you go. (laughs) I'm not going to title the podcast Kelly Leone's Screw Accountants or anything (laughs) like that. Um, Oh my God, no, I need them. So so in that context, yeah, what what advice do you give to aspiring artists? Because in Western society, it's like, as I've just mentioned, it's like just work crazy, crazy hard, but it sounds like you feel there's this other aspect to it as well, right? Mm, yeah. Um, it, it, it Also, the other aspect is just not giving up, like if it's possible. So like, for example, yeah. it's really important for me to say that I used to work full time whilst creating my mm. first record and beyond that. And then it was part time. And so I had to financially support myself. You know, I haven't just been able to do music and live off music. I've only been able to do that in the last two years. Um, so one aspect is just like the, the perseverance and, and, and the indomitable spirit of not giving up no matter what. But, um, this is why it comes back to me for like the, the importance of talking about this to governments and highlighting the support there, because it's, we don't all have the same opportunities and, um, that's, that sucks. And, but I think it's true that like, if you want something enough you'll you'll always find a way but we should be more supported by our governments and our structures and um people should be able to express themselves from all walks of life and all backgrounds and so yeah just to just to not give up and to find things and platforms and people and mentors that can support you like sometimes it just takes one or two people to believe in you before you can even believe in yourself Um, it certainly was true for me. I knew I wanted to do it, but I wasn't so, I didn't believe in myself so much. And I, I did need validation and we see that as a real negative thing. And of course, if your life is, um, constantly, you know, uh, flicking from one thing to the next on and riding a wave of validation from others, that's not good, but it's okay to, to have people you respect validate what you're doing. Um, and also the main thing for me is just like, being true to your creativity and not compromising creatively because it's so important that what you're bringing is your truth and your essence. And I think now more than ever, people can hear that. And um, I'm not interested in making something that's formulaic because it's popular um, right now. It has to be timeless and classic and something that people will always want to listen to because there's truth in it. Um, so not compromising creatively, I think is really important and, and putting that into the business side as well, like have only signing something that actually is fair to you as an artist. We're in this kind of strange age where we need to be able to talk about that because things have not been fair for a while. No, of course. So in a song, your second, a new album is out. I'd love to start with the, the name if we could. Hmm. Yeah, so it comes from, uh, it was borrowed from a, a record by this guy called Alan Silver, um, and the, 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 the title was In a Song, and it's a, a jazz for bass and voices, which is kind of amazing, because mm. that's two things I'm really interested in. <laughs> yeah. um, but it sounds obviously totally different to my to my thing. It's it's like free jazz, and um, 
But my boss, Joachim, from small town, my label boss, not my boss, um, <laughs> a very important distinction there, um, he suggested it. And I was like, oh, can I not just call it like Kelly Lee Owens 2 or Kalo 2 He's like, no. <laughs> it's like a cop out. I was like, yeah, but this is like the second chapter, you know? And it's like, no, come on. And so he offered me some uh, some stuff and I sat with it for ages because it has to mean something. I can't just take it from someone else and like, you know, adopt it. It's, like, it's got to really connect to the album. I mean, how do you define an album as well in one or two words? Like that to me just felt almost impossible. Um, but after a while, this did really resonate. And this, the fact that it was not plural, the fact that it was one continuous song, um, felt right. Like this is a story of my life and my life is connected to everyone else's story also. And we're just in this one continuous song together. Amazing. Cause I, I understand it was just the sort of theme of healing and also the healing nature of music. Was that quite a big thing with this particular record? Yeah, because I had a lot of self-healing to do. And I'm not speaking to you today as someone who's healed. I don't really believe in that that, that, that as a destination as as, as such, but it's about someone who's willing to look at themselves, their past, things that have affected them, and to just keep doing the inner work and to ask the right questions to yourself and keep asking questions and keep being open to seeing your own blind spots and being in relationship with people who are also willing to see theirs. I think that's a good relationship, for example. Like I'm I'm just learning as I as I go, but these three or four particular years were so pressurizing in in, in terms of like for there's a certain situation that was forcing me I had no choice but to look backwards and deal with my shit and um, and find ways to recenter myself. And because, you know, who I was was kind of shattered. I kind of faded away for a while um, and I needed to rebirth, like rewild my spirit, which is where that track Rewild comes from. And uh, it's not easy. Like it was dark and it was messy and it was, it was really exhausting because that's the thing. Healing is not love and light thing. It's, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's, it's dark and it's scary sometimes and it's, uh, can be terrifying, but it's, it's a necessary journey into like this underworld somehow that we must go, go through. Mm. What have you been finding works for you? Cause I feel like this is becoming less taboo, less weird. There's even a film on Netflix called heal. Yeah. which I've watched a couple of times. Um, yeah, what's been working for you? Uh, well, many different things. I mean, uh, I think I've spoke about it a few times now, but there's body trauma release therapy, which I found to be mm. worth a year's worth of talking therapy. And that's just as I read more about how we, you know, everything's somatic, how we store stuff in the body and how the body holds on to trauma physically. And um, that's how in that, in that um, documentary, Heal, Heal, it talks about that, how that can create dis-ease. Disease means ease of the body, right, and the psyche and, and, and of the spirit and stuff. So how it's important to to let that stuff go. And, you know, when you think back to, like, even, like, Native Americans, you know, they dance to heal. 
they, they, yeah. they move their body to heal themselves and others like movement and release of the body this is ancient this is nothing new what's happening now is as a remembrance we're at the point of remembrance so that we can go forward with the knowledge that we've kind of dismissed or lost or has been purposefully um taken from us um so the the body trauma release therapy was huge. Women Who Run With The Wolves was huge as a companion in an understanding of myself as a woman in this lifetime. Yeah. The phases that we go through, the cyclical nature of, of, of life itself. Um, music always and forever holds space for me. Good people. You only need a couple of good people. I said this in relation to creating, but like creating a good life. People who drain you, you need to let them go. Um, they're, they're kind of the vampires. The stories of vampires come from somewhere. And I remember reading like a Caitlin Moran piece in, I think it was a Telegraph. And she's like, you know, the stories of vampires come from a true place, which is often, and she was relating to Harvey Weinstein and that whole abuse thing about how men often she was talking particularly about the situation about men often you know sucking the life out of women as they become stronger and and darker and more energized and as as the woman becomes paler and and more like a shell of who she she is and so that's just true for any relationship in our life that drains us you know like cut those people off <laughs> mm. i'm not going to beat around the bush um no. so that, yeah there's lots of different ways and then also just like yoga and like it all sounds kind of hippy dippy but i don't care like this stuff really works you know um and then of course nature nature just being the fundamental place like thing that holds space for you for you mm. do you think all music is healing because i when I think of healing music, I think of those CDs you buy at garden centres with <laughs> green bowls and that sort of thing. But do you think that? Do you think all music has that power? I do. Yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, I've been asked lately to do a lot of um, ambient playlists for healing, or whatever. But yeah, the word healing, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, oh, I'm trying to understand what that actually means. Like, what does that mean? Is that a destination? Like, what is it? Um, but music there's all kinds of music that can help in, in different moments. Right. So I'm saying like, you know, techno music can be a thing. Like I think people going to clubs is a religious experience that they go once a week on a weekend, they share space with people, they move their bodies and they move through something. And that is positive escapism, um, for them. And so yeah. music, all music has its place and music, I feel finds you when you need it as well. I really believe that like, you know, I didn't understand like Alice Coltrane and her world when I was 20, but now, my God, I'm so grateful that I now, there's some resonance within that, 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 that makes sense to me now. And so it's all kinds of music for sure. Yeah. Amazing. And the lead single was on, I believe. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted to say like the video absolutely devastates anything sad with dogs. I just cannot and I was almost I was almost angry with you. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I might get some like hate mail or something. Like dog yeah. is okay, I promise. I'm just trying to highlight, you know, the experiences of life that that don't always have a happy ending. Mm. 
I just want to know if that dog got adopted or not to Happy Family. <laughs> yeah, I think there's um, a few things that, that may have happened. And what was interesting is that at the very end of the video, the, the guy looks at the camera. I felt personally that was a moment of him realizing what he'd done. And I actually believe he might have gone back um, and then around. Um, if that wasn't the case, yes, he was adopted to a, a beautiful family. Mm-hmm. But it's the questions of yeah. why he was abandoned in the first place and um, the complexities of that and the complexities of one's own mental health and physical health. And, yeah, it was devastating, definitely. I remember actually I sent that to Michael before it came out and he was like, beautiful, but what the hell happened to the dog? It was just like... But again, I like to keep things open-ended and for people to go in and connect their own experience to it. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so other inspirations going into the record? I understand things like climate change and really re- like intentionally connecting with your Welsh roots, I understand as well. Is that a big yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. I think, as I mentioned briefly, like it's, it's a complex um relationship that Welsh people have with Wales because we're only just understanding our history um the first record Wales was in there in terms of some of the samples that I took like Arthur like the birds in that track are recorded in my grandmother's garden and then like hailstone which I sidechained to create a beat and um it was in there sonically but this time round the more I've learned about it and myself and my own history was it was really important and especially with the language to have that featured and I'm very lucky that the person who happens to feature with that is John Cale um and Welsh artists there is a thing about Welsh artists supporting one another including Michael Sheen he does that a lot with with Welsh artists and actors and other things so um yeah it was really important for me to have Welsh language on here and have a story from the perspective of John in there in terms of the land, the relationship with the land. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um, I was just going to ask a few studio questions if, if that sounds good. Um, I mean, so obviously we've touched on the kind of analog nature of your music. How, how does the digital V analog kind of argument go for you? Do you use both or? I do use both. Yeah, totally. Um, my first instinct is to use the real like analog synth. So I, I, I write and record in Daniel Avery's studio. I'm very lucky to be able to do that and use all of his mm. amazing synths. And then James has the Korg Monopoly, which is just phenomenal. I've used that most on most of my stuff. Um, some of it, the MS-20, which was used on Wake Up and then with my last album, 8 as well. 808, uh, Real 808, Real 101 um, for like bass lines and percussion, of course, with the 808. And then I like to make percussion from the synth itself. Also create um, white noise, you know, moments of white noise mm. and, and, and rises and falls um, from the synth itself, as well as, of course, the, the melodic lines. And um, it's just so much more fun to be able to tangibly like tweak and I do that in my live shows as well. I'm consistently like tweak, tweaking synths and trying to sing at the same time and all sorts. And like, mm. it's really excites me. Um, but I use like digital um, 
plugins, of course. Um, I use a lot of, um, I'm trying to think, it was a Crystallizer Sound Toys plugin, uh, which is on, you can hear that mostly on Rewild in this album. Cool. And the Valhalla Shimmer, um, Valhalla, yeah. um, you know, Echo and, and um, Reverbs and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's always, I'm always in collaboration with both. But I tr- always try to nudge James, especially to 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 the real deal, because it's just something about it. There's a depth to it. Maybe it's just a psychological thing, but there seems to be more of a depth to it for me. And also the idea of it being wonky and always slightly out of tune. <laughs> like I really mm-hmm. like that. Um, you're like, oh, I just yeah. out of tune again. It's like, yeah, but we've just recorded. It's like, yeah, well, all right, well, let's just record something else on top and see if it sounds good. Because I like things being a bit off. Um, I don't need things to be mm-hmm. perfect, even if that makes it harder to sing over the top of. It's like always like half a semitone out, you know, or something. But um, it, it's fun to me. And then when you hook up a sequencer, I mean, help! You don't know what the hell's going to happen. Um, and you can hear little wonky notes and things going off key on occasions, and I just think that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the reason I ask, I'm a huge fan of Nils from. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's one of these guys who's so religiously analog that for a few years I literally had in my head that I had spent thousands of pounds on having everything analog. But I think it's about getting that balance, isn't it? And realizing obviously digital offers a lot, perhaps more convenience wise, but Mm. mm. yeah. And also like, you know, if we're talking about people having access to creating uh most yeah. people can't afford sense i don't own that many cents like it's about the ease of just having something and a tool to express yourself so if you can't afford it or don't happen to have you know great friends who can offer you space and to to, to work with them then yeah digital is phenomenal and it gives people access to to tools to express themselves and ultimately that's what it's always about you know for me, I just happen to, to to love it and 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 have friends who will like share their spaces with me, and I feel really lucky. But ultimately, it's about like the ideas, really. Yeah, I kind of draw the line with MIDI synths. For me, never quite feel the same as an actual mm-hmm. synth. I'm I'm at the moment very happy to use like Valhalla and the digital plugins. Um, yeah. So yeah, you mentioned like Valhalla sound toys. Do you use um like Waves? Any other? plugins like that at all some some stuff but like again what happens is because i work with james like it's often his stuff right it's not me that's personally collect i mean sometimes i have to pay for stuff obviously right because it's like yeah. oh i really want to use this like this string plugin and stuff like that and the first time around it was just like the um the Abbey Road like uh, Mellotron plug-in strings for the first record. And I did use those on Corner of My Sky. That was a nod and a thread to the first record for me. That was the nostalgia of that first moment because I was obsessed with those um, plugins <laughs> um, when I heard them and stuff. But then I was like, oh, I should be, we should be maybe a bit more posh and kind of use like a slightly better <laughs> um, string thing because I still can't afford strings, right? I mean, ideally i'd be recording at air studios with you know a full orchestra and i'd like yeah, to work one day. With that but <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> um amazing um would that be spitfire by any chance for the strings you're using or what's that would that be spitfire by any chance for the yes <laughs> string? oh cool which ones did you go for um oh god i can't remember now i'd have to mm, i'd have to get back to you on that one i actually can't remember 
Sorry. <laughs> uh, there's like the Albion ones. There's Oliver Arnold's had his pack and Hans Zimmer. The Albion ones. Just off the top of my head because there's so many, isn't there? Yeah, I can't the, remember. The BBT ones. Mm, um, sorry. I, I, I really don't. I don't remember. Anyway, oh, if I'll be delighted you're saying use them. So that's that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's one because I have a bad memory and two this album it was written in 35 days everything was a blur like I had to do the song exploder thing and like take a part on and I had to like meditate before to even connect to what had happened because I was also going coming out of a a trauma thing and with trauma um, your memory genuinely gets affected Mm. Um, and so it it was no surprise to me that like I could barely remember (laughs) what yeah. went on i mean i do know the fundamentals but sometimes it's it's literally blank so it's interesting yeah um another thing i thought was amazing is you a lot of your source sounds are just off your iphone because again i've seen videos of nils from out in like the icelandic country so i was a massive uh, microphone so i was so pleased to hear that you were getting great results with just you know the thing we all have in our pockets <laughs> your phone yeah again like you know it's a tool use it and um you know, I have had, uh, I was gifted like the MV88 Shaw um, condenser mic, which you plug into your phone. Um, so just slightly better uh, quality and picks up a bit more and helps you with the wind breaking and stuff like that. And, um, but generally it's, it's just a quick thing. Like if I'm traveling and I hear a sound and I just have to stop what I'm doing and just run towards the sound and like it kind of it's kind of disconcerting for like a lot of friends who aren't in music, but like if I'm with John or like I'm with my manager or something like that, it just, they kind of get it, you know? Um, but yeah, it's exciting to me to, 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 to harbor like these and collect these sounds and then create something from it. Um, and I think I did say that on another podcast, just like with on, um, finding this train, this really high def kind of sounding, train as it was coming in this like electrical wires and stuff and and then speeding that up sounding like a, a maraca or a um a hi-hat and that's just more exciting than actually just using a hi-hat or maraca <laughs> so yeah yeah i guess you can never just replace that actual organic thing can you no and and the crappiness of the recording sometimes is the is the thing that you're missing with the other stuff like it, it creates more ambience and more like layers and 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 something that's familiar to people if you can record something in the everyday that's going to help them connect to the track even more i think mm, yeah absolutely and then do you have like a pair of speakers and a sound card at home or do you literally do everything at james's no the thing i uh, most people I know cannot believe this, but like, I think I have, okay, I have one Sonos speaker right now, but that's obviously just connected to like listening platforms, like, like streaming platforms. I don't have anything at home apart from my headphones. And it's, it's a purposeful disconnect, I think for me, because mm-hmm. my home is my sanctuary in another way. Um, I do have a microphone here. I have like, um, the RE20 and I record all my vocal ideas here and all my vocal melodies and lyrics here. And I'll do some stuff with like MIDI strings and kind of get like basis, sometimes a basis of a track um, on my laptop, but just using headphones. Um, so yeah, I do like to go outside. I do like to go somewhere else. Um, cause then it feels real. Then it feels like I'm going somewhere with a purpose to create. And I really enjoy that. And I think it's really healthy to be able to do that for me anyway. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Um, 
so yeah, finally, what yeah, what's going on with you at the moment? Did I read your looking into like doing film and TV stuff and even some ghostwriting, dare I say? Yes. Um, actually this week and next week, that's what I'm doing basically is going in the studio and creating big epic, uh, score trailer stuff just to, cause it's fun to me. I like being dramatic and I, I can't always be as dramatic as I'd like to be sometimes in yeah. what I'm creating. It's more nuanced. It's more like raw and I have to be more mindful with what I'm creating when it's my own thing. And this will still be true to who I am, but another side and another element that I'm really excited to explore. And ultimately, with stuff to film, you're just extracting emotion from something visual. And I'm just trying to extract emotion from something internal when I'm doing that myself. So it's one of the same thing to me. Um, So we'll see how that goes. And yeah. So there's a a trailer that you've been commissioned to I'm assuming you're not allowed to tell us what it is <laughs> <laughs> no it's just it's just but it's it's kind of almost like it's the beginning of stuff so you know this is a whole other world and um yeah so there's, there's, there's some things that are kind of in place but they're more they're more free in the sense that like it's just there's no pressure it's like to experiment basically and start you know you've got to begin somewhere so this is that for me and I don't want to put too much pressure on myself but yeah it's um be interesting to see what happens <laughs> yeah and the ghostwriting thing is that a similar thing where you get to go fully 100 percent pop and yeah, is yeah. That what's going on there? <laughs> yeah it's actually james and i where we're just like right should we just go in and just like smash out some stuff and see what happens and like for me it always has to be meaningful still and it always has to be tasteful like i, do- I don't believe in just having this completely separate persona and like you know there still has to be truth in it and it still has to be really good. And um, so, but I just think it's interesting to just dip into these places and see what comes. And um, that's the thing about, again, not limiting myself too much and also just honing in on, it brings skills to the table that perhaps, you know, and, and ideas that you wouldn't have used and that will hopefully just feed into the next record in a positive sense also. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Is there anything else you want to plug quickly at all before we um, say goodbye? Oh God, no. I don't. I don't think not at the moment. Anyway, um, I think like we're gonna. I'm gonna be releasing some um, cuts that didn't make it onto the album that are really good. They just didn't flow with. Oh, cool. um, uh, the, the, the I guess just the um, what the album needed. It wasn't part of the story in that moment. So yeah, there's things to come still from that, and yeah. So we'll see. But. Yeah, no more A-list music videos planned for this album. <laughs> Not yet, but you never know. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, Kelly, thanks so much. It's been so cool to talk to you. Oh, no, um, it's really nice. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Yeah, you too. Amazing. Thanks, so thanks, Kelly. Take care. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.